Insurance and injury law show toll free. Yeah, you know the number by now. one 990 9646 or help at Reminder, Global TV. Uh, Savannah is hitting the TV airways so you can see him each and every weekend, Sundays at 8.30 in the morning in your corner. As of the new year, we'll be doing that uh, TV show dealing with some of the same and a lot of the same topics and uh, questions we get on this radio show. We'll be going to TV again uh, in your corner as of January of 2019, Sunday mornings at 8.30 on Global TV. So looking forward to that. What is going on in your world, uh, Savannah? I know you got a bunch of stuff to get through with the week that was. And things have been happening for you. How are you? I'm good, John. And you know what? Yeah, it's been an extremely busy week. Uh, And, you know, I've just been uh, getting tons of questions on our website, mydisabilityquestions.com, where people go and post questions for free uh, and get answers for free about long-term disability. So let me just um, read you a few of these and we'll go through them because I'm sure many of our listeners either themselves or know someone who is in that situation who probably has that same question. And, uh, you know, we can discuss the answers. So here's one that comes from Allison in Brampton. She writes, hello, I've been receiving LTD for a psychological disability since 2014. I went back to school last year and my insurance company just terminated my benefits, stating that if if I'm succeeding in school, I am capable of working in a job such as Tim Hortons. As they said, after two years, it's an all occupation classification, not a similar job classification. Do I have grounds for appeal? I feel the skills and responsibility of school are very different than work. Well, first of all, let's dissect this. Uh, Allison has been on LTD since 2014. We are now in 2018. She was cut off last week. John, as, as you know from doing this show with me quite a lot, uh, to qualify for long-term disability benefits within the first two years, you have to demonstrate medically that you can't do your own job, that you are totally disabled from doing your own job. Your own to- occupation test. Your own occupation test, exactly. The question is, can you do your own occupation or mm-hmm. significant portions of it? And if you can't, is it just you who are saying that or do you have doctors who are backing you up, who are writing in reports to the insurance company that you cannot do your own occupation? So what she seems to be indicating here is that for the first two years, she received LTD, then she went back to school, presumably to retrain or to just uh, get some new skills. Sure. And the insurance company cuts her off at the two-year mark. Now, why is the two-year uh, mark uh, important? And again, we've talked about this because after the two-year mark of being on LTD, to continue getting payments, LTD payments, you have to show that you are now unable to work in any occupation. It's the any occupation test, not your own occupation, but any occupation for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience. And why is that important? Because a lot of people out there end up getting cut off, uh, their benefits get cut off at the the two-year mark. When the insurance company tells them, we think you can do something else. We think that perhaps you're still disabled from doing your job, but we think you can do some other job. And in many instances, that is simply not the case. And in many cases, especially with psychological issues, mental uh, type of impairments, doctors who are treating these disabled individuals write to the insurance company and tell them that this person is unable to do any job at this point or for the foreseeable future. And the insurance company simply ignores that and cuts them off anyways. Now, in this case, in Allison's case, she says she went back to school. But we, 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 you know what, John, we don't have enough information. Did she go back to school taking one course? Is she taking, uh, you know, uh, two hours a week? Is she taking a full course load? What kind of right. schooling is she doing? I bet you that the insurance company didn't even ask these questions. I bet you that the insurance company simply said, oh, you went back to school? 
sort of like a blanket assertion. Therefore, you should be able to go back to work. Well, I think a lot of our listeners, John, would agree that working full-time and going to school, whether it's full-time or even part-time, not the same pressures, not the same requirements. You know, it it takes a lot more, I think, to do a job where you're reporting to someone every day, you have a schedule, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, in this case, she's asking, does she have grounds for appeal? Again, our listeners know what I feel about appeals and how I feel about appeals. Appeals are useless. They rarely, rarely work. I'm never going to say that they never work. And we're going to get to another email that I received earlier uh, this week as well, dealing with that. But if you're in a situation where your benefits have been cut off or you've been denied LTD, do not appeal. I am telling you, it is a mistake. Like shooting pool with a rope. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, what the insurance company is doing is they're keeping you on a leash, right? Remember, you are appealing to the same people who cut you off in the first place. Instead, what do you do? Give me a call. Let me or my team speak with you, look at your documentation, and we'll tell you within a matter of minutes if you have legal grounds to challenge the insurance company, not through an appeal, but through the legal process where we can exert real, real-world pressure on the insurance company and get them to the table to uh, resolve your claim equitably. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not shocked at all when it came to uh, them saying that. I mean, it's, you know... They're going to equate right away, oh, eight hours of school day, same as eight hours work. Of course you can't. Of course you're not going to be on disability. That's not even a shock that they would do something like exactly. that. You know I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That happens quite a lot. Let's take a first break. I know you got lots more to get to, and i got questions as well and a bunch of emails to get to. Let's take a short break before we get into a, uh, a longer discussion. To reach out and get a hold of Savannah and the rest of the team, simple, one 990 or help at Lots more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show on the way. Global News Radio. 640 Toronto. Insurance and Injury Law Show. Lots of contact uh, numbers to be had. Emails as well. one 990 9646 or help at the Reminder, In Your Corner will be uh, airing on Global TV starting early January 2019. The television show, Savannah, again, he's going across media to TV. And uh, be informed every weekend morning as it's going to be Sunday at 8.30 a.m. In Your Corner uh, early in 2019. So looking forward to, uh, to that. Lots of questions lots of emails to get through savannah but i know you got more stuff on your uh, your plate you want to talk about as well that's right john let's start uh well, let's continue on with some of the emails that i've received yep. posted on mydisabilityquestions.com so this one comes from michelle in burlington here's what she writes my good friend has asked me to help write a letter of appeal for her ltd with manulife hmm. she's been denied ltd from manulife due to internal review of her medical records deeming her able to work with micro breaks during her shift she has tried to return to work and now her condition has worsened and her doctor has recommended that she should not return due to extreme pain and now heavy use of pain medication. She's been an employee for 26 years at the hospital and has been paying into insurance and her union for that time frame. The government has even approved her disability claim. However, Manulife continues to block her claim. My question is, should we be writing this letter of appeal to the ombudsman or, should, or, or, or would this be hurting her case and or just delaying? what I think will be another denial of her claim. I know her financial position is worsening due to lack of benefits. However, I do not want to worsen the situation with an appeal letter that is missing required elements. Would love some advice. What an amazing email, John. Yeah. And you know, the first thing that I wrote Michelle was that you know, kudos to her for trying to help her friend. Unfortunately, that help in a way is misguided. She's asking me for help in how to write an appeal letter. 
Again, remember, who are you appealing to? You're appealing to the exact same people who denied you in the first place. I'm not saying it's going to be the exact same adjuster who are looking over the notes and records, but it's going to be someone who works in the same company. Remember, an appeal of an LTD denial or a cutoff is an internal process. It's something that the insurance company has full control over, meaning there is absolutely no incentive for them to reverse their initial decision to deny the claim or uh, the, the cutoff. Now, in this case, Michelle is writing that her friend actually was approved for disability by the government. I think what she means is CPP disability. CPP, and yeah. again, we talked about that before. The test is, is analogous. It's similar. In order to qualify for CPP disability, you have to show that you have a prolonged and severe disability. In order to qualify for LTD, you have to show that you are totally disabled. Again, I want to make sure that people understand that total disability does not mean that you are catatonic. It doesn't mean that you are paralyzed from the neck down. All it means is that you have a disability that's preventing you from doing substantial aspect of your job and that your doctors agree that you should be on disability, that you should not be working. And my response to Michelle, of course, was do not appeal this decision. Do not have your friend appeal. Have her call us. Have her get in touch with us so that we can review the medical reports she submitted. We can review the denial letter from the insurance company, and we can tell her exactly what her legal options are. Chances are, John, just by reviewing this posting, is that if she got accepted into CPP disability, she is most likely disabled. Yeah. And I would be able, in fact, I would bet on it, that if I started a legal claim tomorrow against the insurance company, within a few months, we would be at, at some room negotiating a resolution of this claim. There is no reason to appeal these decisions, which, by the way, as, as she's noted herself, it's probably going to get denied at some place. I can't guarantee that, but my experience, anecdotally, and James as well, when he's with me here on the show, will tell you the same thing from doing tons of these kinds of cases. These appeals do not work. Give us a call. Let us review the documents. It will cost you literally $0 to get this legal advice from us. Well, like you said so many times, the the threshold for CPP disability is often quite higher than it would be from an insurance company. And I just I, I wonder what people think is when they, they send that appeal in. Do they think it's going to a government body or a provincial body? I, I guess it doesn't occur to them that, yeah, it's going back to the same person who gave them the denial in the first place. Exactly. And in fact, in this posting, Michelle is making reference to the ombudsperson, which right. is technically supposed to be you know, a neutral person at the insurance company high up who's overseeing uh, customer complaints. The reality is, and again, this is anecdotal, but remember also I used to work for insurance companies in the That's past, right. so I have some experience on that side. These kinds of complaints rarely work. These kinds of appeals rarely work. Insurance companies are in the business of making money. It's that simple, period. How do they make money? Getting premiums in, paying as least, uh, the least amount that they have to out. Yeah. And one of the ways they do that is by denying claims and then not approving appeals. And eventually, the person either gets too tired, frustrated, or just their motivation just extinguishes like a flame and they end up just walking away, leaving the insurance company holding, uh, uh, holding a, a you know, huge chunk of change that really belongs to this person and their family. And this happens over and over and over, John. And it, it's, it's funny when you think about it, they're not really doing you any favors. You're paying for this coverage, either through, partly through work, through your own, uh, coming out of your own pocket. You're paying for this. This is, this is money entitled you. So you're making a very good point because, again, one of the things that I find is that people find, you know, people... When we tell them they have a legal claim, a legal right that they can enforce against the insurance company, 
some people, you know, sort of reject that. They have this, you know, um, uh, reaction like, I don't want to be one of those people. I don't want to, you know, want to be one of those people who, who, uh, you know, takes advantage of insurance because of me, insurance premiums go up. That is absolute nonsense. These, this insurance is supposed to be a safety net for you. It's no different than house insurance. If you have a fire or if somebody breaks in and steals something, or if you are in a car car accident and you need certain benefits, you have paid for this insurance. Now, in the case of disability, you're right. You can have private insurance where you have paid the premiums, or you can have insurance through work. Either way, the whole point of that insurance policy is to give you a safety net. What we are saying is that when the insurance company doesn't fork up and doesn't provide you that safety net when you are vulnerable, you have the power to make them pay. What they would like you to think is that when they deny your claim, there is no way in hell that you can possibly challenge them because they're a billion-dollar entity. That is nonsense. That is simply the perception that they would like everyone out there to have. The reality, and I'm telling you this again, John, as somebody who used to work for insurance companies, as a lawyer defending them, when I get a claim on my desk, the instructions from the adjuster would not be take this all the way to court. The instructions would be settle this as quickly as you can. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That's just yeah. amazing. And, and the, by the way, nothing has changed. I have defense friends that I, sp- I still speak with, mediators who will say the same thing. It is a game. It's a game insurance companies play every single day because they know that the odds are that 9 out of 10 people are simply going to walk away from money that is owed to them. The number to call simple one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And uh, Savan's referenced it a couple times already. Questions and answers free. Get them answered about LTD. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. We will return lots more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show. This is Global News Radio six forty Toronto. Insurance and Injury Law Show one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And starting early in January of 2019 just a couple months away now we are uh, we're hitting the tv airways on global tv at 8 30 a.m on sunday mornings with in your corner so make sure you catch the van doing that show as well and james will be along uh on that uh, particular television broadcast as well okay keep going what else you got uh, what else you got for me pal Okay, so um, something else happened this week. Okay. Uh, a lady contacted me, and uh, she's had long, uh, long-term long issues with her employer. She works for an airline. She's unionized. She's a unionized employee. And, and as you know, John, and many of our listeners know, when we are dealing with long-term disability issues and an individual is part of a union, mm-hmm. it does not automatically mean that we can't help them, unlike in the employment world, right? If right. you are let go and you are a unionized employee... Only the union can help you. Well, when it comes to LTD cases, long-term disability disputes, uh, we actually can help a lot of unionized employees. And so this lady emailed me this very long email. It took me about 20 minutes to read, actually. Very long. And you know what? I'm reading it and I'm reading it. And I'm thinking, holy cow, this lady has a lot of issues, a lot of problems medically. Uh, and she's been treated very unfairly by the employer. I can't help her with that. Lior can't help her with that. But you know what? I can definitely help her with her disability claim. And and I'm looking, and by the way, she's gone through appeals and, and everything. And then I get to the end of the email. John, guess what? Huh. Her first denial of her LTD claim was October 6, 2016. Oh, geez. She missed the two-year limitation period oh, by a few man. weeks. And that is my point. Every time when we talk about these issues, 
Don't keep going back and forth with your insurance company. Don't keep doing these appeals because, you know, once you are past the two-year limitation period from the first time you were denied your LTD claim, we cannot help you. So she asked me, of course, when I told her that, are there any exceptions? Well, yeah, there are exceptions, but there are very rare exceptions. And frankly, I'm not going to go into them right now on the radio because they're very legally technical. When you are dealing with a situation where the insurance company has denied your claim and it's in black and white, it's on paper, I don't care how many times they've reviewed your claim afterwards, I don't care how many times they've told you you can appeal and you should appeal, the limitation period starts from the date of first denial. And in her case, it does not reset the clock. clock. And that's my concern with appeals, and that's my concern with people, you know, who need to take time to to figure out if they want to pursue, you know, a claim against the insurance company. It's your choice. It's your money. It's money that's owed to you, to your family. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect the lawyers at my firm. But guess what? This lady now, despite the fact that by all accounts she has a phenomenal case against her LTD insurer, her insurance company is now protected from a legal claim by this expiration of the two-year limitation period, meaning this lady can no longer pursue her legal entitlements through court. And what does that mean? It means the insurance company is laughing because they are now keeping a lot of money that otherwise would have been owed to her. The lesson here, if you are denied or cut off LTD, do not wait. Do not wait until, you know, something happens. You have a revelation or something happened. Do not wait. Give us a call. Email us. Contact us. We will tell you, like I said, within minutes if you have a legal claim. And if you do... Then you can decide if you want to proceed with it or not. We're never going to pressure you, but at least you'll know what your legal options are. I can't fathom, and you you having worked on the other side for insurance companies, I can't fathom the millions of dollars they are saving by people either appealing and running out of time or just not realizing that they can don't have to run out of time. It must be a phenomenal number. I can only imagine, John. I mean, just extrapolate how many yeah. cases like this happen you know, in Toronto and Ottawa, Windsor, anywhere across the province, then, you know, again, extrapolate to other provinces, BC, I mean, everywhere. It's, it's, if you think about it, it's an ingenious system, right? I mean, again, insurance companies are using perception to dictate reality. They are essentially, you know, advertising out there on radio, on TV, in newspapers, you know, we're your friends, we're going to take care of you when something happens. Again, think about all of the commercials you have seen recently on TV, You know, American TV, too, it's no different uh, than Canadian uh, um, television. Insurance companies are selling you peace of mind. And by the way, I want to say something. Uh, Contract law is quite interesting. Generally speaking, when we are starting a legal claim for a breach of contract, generally speaking, let's say you have a contractor that didn't finish your basement. We are starting a legal claim against your contractor. We are claiming really for what it would cost us to complete that job or any money that we've paid this contractor that, that now we've lost. Okay. Essentially, yeah. it's, a compen- it's a compensation-based type of sure. a claim. You know, mm-hmm. what did we expect from this contract? That's what we're asking the law to provide us. When you're dealing with insurance companies, there is an added element. The courts have recognized that really what they're selling you, these insurance companies, is peace of mind. So really, when we're starting a legal claim, we're not just asking for what the contract stipulates, but we're also asking for compensation for a breach of this promise because wow. they have now breached their promise to provide us peace of mind. They have not provided that safety net that they have promised contractually to provide us for which we paid good money. So I see no reason not to force them to pay what they owe and potentially even more in the more egregious cases. So, John, you're right. 
they make a ton of money because people yep. perceive that they have no power against them, which is not the case. We'll take a short break. We'll get to the injury calculator, your questions and emails. And I know, Savannah, you got more stuff you want to uh, talk about as well. First of all, the, uh, the number anytime, toll-free, of course, one 990 Email just as simple, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number anytime. Savannah, the member of the team, one 990 You can email help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Say, want to get to some questions and some emails uh, shortly. Savambi, you have another case to talk about first. Yeah, John, I know we have some emails to get to and you have yep. some questions, but I really have to get this one out. This person contacting us, his name is Lewis, and Lewis yes. contacted us. He's uh, He's been uh, an electronic technician for seven years and uh, he's made uh, over $50,000 a year. And here's what he wrote us. He says, um, I received a letter from Great West Life insurance company stating that as far as they are concerned, uh, I can go back to work as of March 14th, 2019, and that my payments will be stopped at that time. I cannot go back to my old job uh, that I loved. I have spinal stenosis and blocked arteries in my legs. And on top of that, I have a hernia at the top of my abdomen uh, and a bad hip. I have an MRI scheduled for March 12th, 2019 for my back. So the spine doctor can see what to do next. I had injections in my back that did not work and also went to physio, and she did as much uh, as she could after 10 weeks. My legs make it hard to do cardio workouts as they cramp all the time. I would just like to know what I can and should do. And of course, then we called him up, and we found out, again, uh, from him confirming that he received a letter from the insurance company stating that he's going to get cut off March 14, 2019. So we're talking about several months from now. And the reason I want to bring this up is is because in many cases where you're dealing with long-term disability, the insurance company will give you a heads up. They will tell you that you will get cut off in a matter of weeks or in a matter of months. And what I want to tell people out there is as soon as you you get that letter or email or notification, even if if it's by phone, don't wait until that date comes and, and is gone because, you know, the insurance company will cut you off. Now that we know that Lewis is going to get cut off next March, we can act now. We can start a legal claim against the insurance company for what is called anticipatory breach. We are basically saying that the insurance company has effectively breached the contract. It's in the future. They're still paying him until March. But they have effectively breached the contract by stating that despite the medical reports and the medical advice of the doctor saying that he's still disabled, and will continue to be disabled for the foreseeable future. Despite that, they're gonna cut him off in March of next year. And so we can start a legal claim now so that by the time March 14, 2019 comes around, we would have either resolved the case so that he would, you know, he's not gonna get There's stuck. No gap. Yeah, no gap, exactly, with money, no, no money coming in. Or we're gonna be well into the claims process to, to you know, resolve it again as, as soon as possible so that we minimize that gap. Because at the end of the day, you know, individuals who are getting long-term disability and are about to get cut off or are denied, they have to deal with, with you know, real-world problems. You know, mm-hmm. the, 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 how do you pay the mortgage this month? For sure. How, how do you pay the kids' expenses, sports, or, the, you know, put food on, uh, food on the table? Well, so so that's our focus. Our focus is to get this claim to a resolution as soon as possible. It doesn't mean that we're going to settle for any price. Absolutely not. In fact, our clients have to sign off on any settlement that we enter into. They have to understand the ramifications and and everything surrounding a settlement. My point is that we understand the urgency 
of bringing this to a resolution as quickly as possible. And for people out there who are in that position, who have been told you are going to get cut off at some point in the near future, don't think that the insurance, you know, that the insurance company is not going to actually do that. They're going to cut you off. If they said they're going to cut you off, they're going to cut you off. So act now. Give us a call now the way that Lewis did so we can review your documents and we can tell you quickly within minutes whether or not you have a legal claim option available to you. And if you do, well, then you and your family can decide if you want to pursue it. Anticipatory breach, that's a fancy term for crystal balling the fact they're going to cut you off. If it's a breach, why do they keep doing it? Does this go back to playing the odds again? It's exactly that, because the majority of people are simply going to walk away. And by the way, that letter that, that Lewis would have received or anyone else in his position would have received would have contained a paragraph at the end of the letter inviting the individual to appeal. So think about this, John. Let's say that Lewis did not contact us. He's getting this letter. He's told, you're going to get cut off in March of next year. But guess what? You can appeal the decision. Just give us some more medical documents to support your ongoing disability. So what does someone else who's not Lewis do potentially? In fact, the majority of people, well, they go to their doctors. They tell their doctors about this. The doctors say, oh, my God, that's so unfair. I'm going to give you more medical documentation. I'm going to write something for you telling the insurance company they should not cut you off. So now you're very confident, you have new medical documentation, new reports, you submit that to the insurance company, weeks go by, perhaps months go by, and guess what? You are now in February, March, potentially, closer to the cutoff date, and then that dreaded response comes to your appeal. (sighs) And what does it say? We're sorry, we reviewed everything, but we still don't think that you qualify for ongoing LTD payments. What do you do now, John? What do you do? The money you know, st- stopped coming in. You've done your best. Your doctors have done your best. There are no options. But guess what? That denial, the rejection you just received for your appeal, guess what? That letter also contains another paragraph at the bottom. Oh, would you like to try a second level of appeal? Could you imagine? Yeah, but but that's exactly, and they do. Of course they do. And I don't blame them from doing that if they don't know any better. And that's how it continues on and on and on. And, and again, now we are into sort of that time frame where the person doesn't have any money coming in. So now they're relying on other people. They're borrowing money. Maybe they're going to go you know, back to work against doctor's advice. You know, don't put yourself in that position. That's my point. As soon as you are told that you're going to get cut off, immediately give us a call or have someone give us a call or email us. Get in touch with us. I mean, John, why would people not do that if it cost them nothing to get this legal information? That's my point. And that's why a lot of people call us, not because they've heard the show, but because someone else heard the show and told them about it and told them to contact us. The top five reasons insurance companies deny claims. That's what we're going to get to after we take a short break here. You want to reach out anytime to Savan and his team. It's toll free. It's one 990 or help at Lots more coming up. Stick around. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number toll free to reach out. Get a hold of Savan. Write this down. Keep it. Just shove it in your wallet or have it on your phone. one 990 Email as well as help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We are taking this show to TV. It's been several years here on the radio and podcasting. Now it's going on the uh, the small screen. In Your Corner will debut January of next year, 2019, on Global TV at 8.30 m. So we are looking forward to it, and I hope you uh, you join us as well for that. You know, we talk about long-term disability claims on every show because there's so many people out there who either are directly affected by it or know someone who is. I mean, you've read a couple cases so far this show that have dealt exactly with that. So 
if we can grind it down, if we can filter it down to say the top five reasons insurance companies deny claims, what to do about them? What do you think they are? Well, let, let me tell you what I see, and, and you know, uh-huh. different lawyers will tell you different things, but generally speaking, I think we're all going to identify uh, the, the central reasons, or as I call them, excuses for why insurance companies deny legitimate claims. Number one, they write to you and they tell you, sorry, you're not totally disabled. And of course, you think, well, of course, I'm not totally disabled. Like I said, I'm not paralyzed. You know, I can talk. I can go get groceries. But no, that's not what total disability means. Total disability is defined by your LTD policy. You have to look at your policy. But generally speaking, what it means is that you can't do or you can't carry out substantial aspects of your job. That's during the first two years. Beyond the two-year mark, as we discussed, it's can you do any job, any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. But again, you're going to get that phrase, you are not totally disabled, therefore we are denying your claim. All right, number two, and this is ancillary to the first one, insufficient medical documentation supporting your disability. Despite the fact that you went to your psychologist or your oncologist or your neurologist or any other person with an, you know, uh, just at the end, uh, somebody that has a medical degree or even people that don't have medical degrees, counselors, social workers, people like that who are, who are dealing with you day to day, despite getting reports from these individuals who have known you, who have treated you, who are telling the insurance company that you are unable to carry out your job because of your disability, the insurance company simply writes, Sorry, there is insufficient medical documentation. What the hell does that mean? Well, John, it basically means that they're ignoring these records. Now, I do want to put a caveat there. I have seen cases where the doctors were simply not asked the correct questions. The reports are simply too uh, shaky, let's say. You know, I mean, you can't have a doctor simply write on a napkin, this person is disabled from working. You have to have something more substantive. There's got to be more meat to it. Your doctors have to write down, here's the nature of the disability, uh, here's how long I've known this person, I've treated them, here's why I think this person is unable to do their job. There's got to be some meat to it, okay? But that's something I see quite often, insufficient medical documentation supporting the disability. Number three, there is no formal diagnosis for your disability. We talked a lot about this show about the fact that generally speaking, in order to qualify for LTD, you don't have to have an actual diagnosis, you have to have an impairment. You have to have a disability. I have had a case, and I keep referring back to that case a few years back, with a lady with neurological issues. She's been seen by countless neurologists. They've done MRI, CT scans, everything under the sun. Everyone agreed that she was getting worse and worse. Memory issues were bad. Uh, by the way, she was doing something fairly sophisticated from a work standpoint. But, you know, she had memory issues. It got to the point where she, she had to live with, with her mom because she couldn't do basic things. She couldn't take care of herself. Even showering was was an issue, you know, self-grooming. But they couldn't figure out what the problem was. They couldn't figure out, they couldn't put a name to it. And the insurance company denied on that basis. And when we started a legal claim and we got it to resolution within less than a year, the insurance company paid well into the six figures to yeah. resolve the claim. So again, if they tell you that they're denying your claim because there's no formal diagnosis for your disability, the analysis does not end there, okay? Because most policies do not require a formal diagnosis. Number four, they tell you you can do another job. Usually you see that at the two-year mark. Remember we talked about that? The own occupation. Own occupation, exactly. So so insurance company is going to say, you know, we recognize, John, that you're unable to do your job because of your disability, 
but we think that you can do something else. Here are 10 other jobs we've identified that you can do. And so, and by the way, that may be true. And if it is true, well, then you don't qualify beyond the two-year mark if you can do sure. another occupation. But in many instances, you are disabled from doing all of those other occupations, in which case you should qualify for continued LTD payments. Number five, you don't qualify because of a pre-existing condition. And again, we That's have to look at one. those. That's a big one. And we have to look at those provisions. Yeah. Well, we have to see mm-hmm. what they're talking about. Sometimes right. they're pointing to a pre-existing condition that is not really the source of your disability. You know, they can tell you perhaps you had diabetes before. And as a result of this diabetes, now you have ulcers. And because of these ulcers, now you had a foot cut off, amputated. Well, right. what is the reason for your disability? Is it because of the original diabetes or is it because of the ulcers or is it because of the fact that you now don't have a foot and you have a physical job? Right. You know, so we, we have to figure out sort of what the language is in the policy. My point is all of these five reasons slash excuses that insurance companies use to uh, push you away, to tell you that you have no claim for LTD, don't take those denials at face value. That's why we tell people that we are here to help. All we have to do is look at the denial letter, your policy, and the medical documentation that is supporting your disability. And once we review those those uh, reports and, and you know these documents, we can tell you, again, within a matter of minutes, based on our experience dealing with these claims day in and day out, if you have a legal claim to challenge the insurance company's denial. And in the vast majority of cases, we tell people, yeah, you have you have a right. And, and, and you have a legal option. And guess what, John? When we go and we fight the insurance companies, insurance companies end up coming to the table to try and negotiate the resolution. That happens, I would say, on 99.9% of the cases that yep. we deal with. So very important. By the way, there are many other reasons slash excuses why insurance companies deny claims. Those are the top five that I've identified. You want more? You want more information on any of those? And if it did nothing else, it just it, it showed it showcased the reason why you got to make that call and don't just wing it on your own. It's not going to be successful. The number is one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. Toll free to get a hold of Savan's crew or himself as well. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll take a short break. Still a few minutes to go here. The Insurance and Injury Law Show on Global News Radio six forty Toronto. Insurance and Injury Law Show to get a hold of Savan and the rest of the team at the firm. It's a toll free number. You should have it anytime, 1-888-990-9646 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That is to reach out through email. Uh, email is uh, is where we're going to go. Barry sends one in here. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the details. Savannah says, uh, I was let go from my job back in August because of performance issues, but was because of a brain disorder that my doctor just diagnosed. He says that this disorder is actually the reason I wasn't able to do my job, which led to my firing. I contacted my former HR department and tried to talk to them about putting in a long-term disability claim, but they said that because I'm no longer working there, I'm not covered, so I can't do it. Do I have any options, any recourse? So Barry, thanks for emailing us because this is a very interesting scenario that you you, you are outlining here. Um, Essentially, you've concluded or your doctors have concluded that your disability arose while you actually had coverage for long-term disability but you didn't put an application through at that time because they were not aware, the doctors, that you, you had in fact a disability that was preventing you from work. Right. So leaving aside the fact that you should call us in order to advise you about the severance that you had received from this company and all the issues that arise from you know the company letting you go uh, while you were on disability, 
The question then is, that you're posing to us, is can you make a claim now after the fact, after you are no longer employed there and no longer have coverage at this point in time? Well, you know, there's been a recent case uh, that has gone all the way to the Ontario Court of Appeal, which is the second highest court in the land in Canada. Uh, it, it's called the McIver case, McIver versus Pitney Bowes. And what, what they basically said, uh, the court, uh, they've ruled that based on the LTD policy, the interpretation of that policy, yeah. an individual who's disabled can still be entitled to LTD benefits if the disability arose during the time of employment. Okay. Despite the fact, it does, despite the fact that, that the individual was no longer employed at the time the application was submitted. Okay. Now, it makes sense, John, but now we actually have the word of the second highest court in the land, the court that's just under the Supreme Court of Canada. Right. And that means that many people out there who have lost their jobs but did not put a disability claim during the time when they were still employed and think now that they're out of luck, well, no, you can go back in time. Again, remember the two-year limitation period, yep. right? That's important. But, you know, if you've lost your job recently and your doctors have identified that you actually became disabled while you were still employed, while you still had coverage, as long as they can pinpoint medically to that time frame that you still had coverage, you should be able to put a claim through. So I, I would tell you and I would urge you if, if you're out there and, and you have that same type of, of an issue as, as McIver, to put a, a claim through, and hopefully it will get approved based on this case. Because insurance companies, trust me, John, are very, very much aware of what this case means. However, many employers are not aware, and many insurance companies believe or hope that people out there are not aware of this case. Yeah, so people out there may in fact put in legitimate claims for long-term disability in a scenario such as this, and yet still get denied. Why? Because again, insurance companies may be hoping that by denying a claim on the basis that there is no coverage because now you're no longer covered on the policy, yeah. that people will simply go away or perhaps appeal and then they'll get rejected again. So again, put a claim through. If your disability arose during the time you were employed and had coverage and you've just found out about that, your doctors have just pinpointed to a disability that you had while you were still employed and that's the reason why you actually were not able to carry the tasks of your employment and essentially got fired for it, make sure that you put a claim through. And by the way, make sure you give us a call so we can, again, advise you on the severance that you had received, hopefully you received, from the, uh, fr from the employer. I was just about to mention that a bit of a sidebar is knowing that not only your firm, you and Leora together, I mean, you have the insurance and injury law part, and then you also have the employment part all under one roof That's right. in the same office because there is so much you know, cross-pollination between the two that to go to two different firms can be a royal pain in the rear end. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and John, listen, we've had people who have, uh, who have come to us who have been let go from their jobs, and again, they've had disability issues, and they've gone to their employment lawyers, and the employment lawyers don't know what to do with the disability claim, and vice versa. We've had people who have gone to disability lawyers, other lawyers who are very competent but don't have any employment law expertise, and again, you want to make sure, my advice would be to go to a firm like ours, doesn't have to be ours, but like ours, that has expertise both in employment law and disability law because yeah. both claims affect each other. If you get severance, that could affect your LTD payments or entitlements. If you get LTD, that could affect whatever happens with your employer. So, you know, you want to make sure that you're covered from all angles. And if you go to different lawyers who don't necessarily talk uh, to each other about your claims, 
you could get stuck sort of in the gap, right? And, and you could yeah. be in a situation where you're not maximizing what you're owed. Let me ask you this. We only got a uh, minute or two to go here, but uh, you know, does a disabled person have the right to see a report prepared by the insurance doctor? The insurance doctor now, after he has been examined by that doctor, can you see it? Yes, and in fact, you should request it. As to whether or not the insurance company will give it to you is a different story. You can't yeah, right. actually force them unless there is a legal claim that's, that's pending against them. But yeah. you know, if you go to an insurance doctor because the insurance company uh, arranged for you to see one of their doctors, you definitely want to ask for that report that the, that the doctor ends up generating. And, and you know, John, in all the years I've done this, I can tell you, I don't recall one instance where one of my clients had seen the report prepared by the insurance doctor and have told me that all of the facts that are outlined in the report are accurate. Almost always there are mistakes. The doctor, for whatever reason, is not reciting the facts correctly or the medical history of this individual correctly. And in many instances, the insurance doctors uh, come to the conclusion that is very different than the doctors who are actually treating the individuals. And so the reason why you want to see these reports, other than to go through them with a fine-tooth comb and, and make sure that the facts are accurate, you also want your own doctors to have a look at what the insurance doctor wrote down so that your own doctors can provide any rebuttals or any information to the insurance company to counter any adverse conclusions reached by the insurance doctors that may lead to the termination of your benefits. So again, if you have seen an insurance doctor, ask verbally, ask in writing, repeatedly ask for a copy of, of the insurance doctor's report so you can give it to your insurance doctors and so that you can actually have a look through it. Again, lots of good information, lots of great advice on this show for uh, for this week. You'll want to reach out uh, now. It's uh, very simple, toll-free, 1-888-990-9646, or email us, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, uh, injurycalculator.ca as well, if you want to find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim should be. If, if only for interest's sake, you can give that a whirl. And a reminder, once again, early uh, next year, January uh, 2019, just a couple months away, we are taking this show to television. In your corner, we'll be on Global TV at 8. 30 on Sunday mornings in January. So looking forward to that. Till next time, this has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.